The dinking, smashing, third shot, dropping, got pickleball fever, and it's not stopping this pickle and maker. Pickle and maker. Pickle and maker, alright. It is pickle with maker, alright. Today, you get to meet Shauna Kerr, MPL owner, squash coach, bagpipe rocker, zero zero star. Good afternoon, Shauna. Good afternoon. How are you doing today? I'm very well. Excellent. It's a, it's a, are you sitting in your office or where are you right now? I'm actually at home right now. Oh, perfect. It's, all, it's like I'm sitting there with you. It sounds great. Beautiful. Same, same, same. Good, good, good. And so home is just uh, right outside of the university or how far away are you? Yes, I'm literally a mile from my office, and that was very intentional. I really wanted to live close to work. Often we come home late at night, so I wanted a very easy drop kids off at 1 a.m. if we get back late, and I'm home as quickly as possible. So, yeah, super convenient. Very good. That is awesome. And so let's catch the people up. I'm here with, and I want to make sure I'm pronouncing it right. It's Shona, is that correct? Yes, that's correct. Shona, yes. Perfect. Shona Kerr. She is head coach at Wesleyan University of the Squash Team. We're going to talk about that. So she's there in Connecticut. Now, we talked a little bit ahead of today. Has it changed? Is there snow on the ground? <laughs> I, I love your questions about the snow all the way from Arizona. No, there's no snow on the ground. We typically don't get too much until at least January. Occasionally we might, we really haven't had a white Christmas for, I can't remember. So it is beautifully sunny today, if a little chilly in the forties. So not bad. If a little chilly in the forties. And I mean, coming from where you're from, that's just kind of balmy, right? I mean, I, know, I, would, that's, be, that's, that's, um, I would be ducking for cover. That's summer weather. We'd be on the beach in this weather. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> So remind me exactly where are you from in England? I'm from just south of London, South London, essentially. Born born in Camberwell, lived in South Nord for some time, was in Croydon for some time, and then the northern end of Sussex for a time. So I moved around a little bit just for those who are familiar with that area, but South London, essentially. And if the folks aren't familiar, it's good for them to get a little educated when we talk with people who are from abroad and who have had fascinating careers, not only personally, but professionally. And again, Sean, I'm super excited to talk to you about all of it. I wanted to go through your own personal squash career to coaching to NPL, Austin Ignite. And then I found this little piece of information in your bio. And we have to start there. We can maybe spend the whole interview on this. Because now I'm fascinated, and I bet you know where I'm going. Okay, I think we read it. Um, I'll, I'll, I'll wait and see, but I'm excited to find out. Rackleton. Racketlon, okay. Oh, is that okay. how you say it? Racketlon. Yes, it's okay. like decathlon, triathlon, racketlon with rackets. Yep. Yes, okay, there's my dyslexia kicking in, I think, that I didn't even know I had. But okay, I am fascinated. No, yes, explain this again for the folks. This is, as it says on your on your bio, on the Wesleyan bio, a cousin of triathlon combines the four racket sports, just like you just said, of table tennis, which is ping pong for the lay people, badminton, squash, and tennis. And you competed in the USA 
I got to say it again, Racketlon World Championships back in 2018. You got to tell me more about this. You've been ranked in the sport. I'm fascinated by this. I'd never even heard of this. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. So it's uh, the sport itself is the four sports that you described. And the way it's played is that you you play in that order, table tennis, badminton, squash, and tennis. And you play each of those sports to 21 points, point per rally, 21 points in each of them. So 21 points table tennis, then you move straight to badminton, do the same, move straight to squash and then straight to tennis. The person at the end of all four sports with the most points is the winner. And it's um, it's a legitimate sport. It was invented in Scandinavia. It started in Scandinavia and, and has spread. And it's it's pretty popular in Canada. Um, we do have a USA Racketlon Association, which is fairly active. Um, it's very popular in Europe. And um, yeah, it sounds strange, but it really, it is a, for those who are sort of in the know and have been around it, it is, it is an actual sport and played in that way. They have world rankings, they have uh, professional tournaments. And I had, I had the great fortune of going with the 2018 USA Racketlon team to compete for them in Switzerland in 2018. Um, and the, the world championships were being held there, right there in Switzerland. So, so that's, uh, and it, the, the way I came to it was fairly amusing. I um, was, was I, I don't know, look, looking around on the internet at some silly late time many years ago and I, I stumbled across it and I stumbled across a tournament in Toronto and thought, well, what the heck, I'll, uh, let's, let's give this a go. Randomly entered it. That was first exposure, see it on the internet. And yeah. it, it's an actual, it was a yes. tournament they were doing up there in Toronto. Okay, great. Yeah, so I entered in the next morning. I wondered what I'd done, but I uh, took a couple tennis lessons from a, a coach colleague of mine and, and off I went. And that was my first racket lawn. So I was hooked. I was hooked on that ever since. That is incredible. And so, again, <laughs> table tennis, badminton, squash, tennis. You go through their rapid fire, 21 points each and accumulating points. And I guess then moving through the the round robin or the ladder, however they have it set up. Yeah, it's just a, usually a straight tournament. But yes, it, exactly, exactly, exactly. So in a, a match can take, a really close match would take two hours for sure. So it's a workout. It's a workout. And I would say I actually like my, yeah, my favorite, my most proud racketlon achievement was in 2012 and I actually teach racketlon at the university I work at as a as a PE class so they get credit for this PE class and they learn the sport of racketlon I was teaching the class in 2012 and I said to them well if anybody wants to put together a US team we can you know we can do that and you could go and compete in the world championships in Bulgaria and they were in Bulgaria that year and to my surprise, a few of them came back to me and said, you know, we're, we're interested in doing that. So I worked with them. I, uh, we put a team together. I had to find another lady to go. I wasn't able to go that year because of work commitments. And we literally put the first USA Racketlon team together, comprised mostly of Wesleyan students. I outfitted them in, it was an Olympic year, and Old Navy had... Uh, USA apparel for the Olympics. So I bought the cheapest USA Old Navy situation that I could. We decked them out and put them on a plane to Bulgaria. 
That's incredible. Like I was saying, I mean, Old Navy, did Old Navy get word of that and maybe do a commercial with you guys? That would have been great promo for them. <laughs> no, but I do think I got the 20% off for signing up for the credit card. <laughs> I hope so. You should have a card, like a card for life. You go to Old Navy and just get whatever you need. And so still teaching the class. And is your class still the only yeah. college credit racket lawn class that you can get there at Wesleyan or has it spread a little bit? I think it's the only university racket lawn class that I'm aware of, that I'm aware of. Um, so I'll go with it for now, but I'm not, it, there may be others out there and I'm not aware. So I don't want to uh, assume. Fantastic. I think it's great. It's Halloween. We had a little trick or treat right there with some racket lawn. Folks, go look for it. Next time, maybe on ESPN, the Ocho, we see a little racket lawn tournament. I'm going to be looking for it because it blows me away. And that leads me again to you're the head coach there at Wesleyan on the squash team. Season's going to mm-hmm. start, did I see second week in November, third week in November? Actual season will get going. So our first match date is November 18th. We kicked off with official practices this past Wednesday. Okay, two a days, three a days. How are you, how are you running them? What's a, what, come on, coach, tell me, take me through it. Right, well, right now they are obviously students as well, which I have to consider. So comes uh, first. four till 7 p.m. Is, is yes. And I, it is true that if there are academics in order, that there are squashes is also going to be a, a little bit better. So that is an important part of everything. But 4 till 7 p.m., Monday through Friday, we're practicing. We're not two a days, I wish, I wish. They do do three lifting sessions outside of that on their own time, and they get one day off every seven no matter what. So we're not out to kill them, but certainly looking to get the most and to have each of them improve to their potential. That's, that's the goal. Well, you have to stay conditioned when you're playing squash. You're you're moving around a lot. You're in close proximity. You're sweating a heck of a lot. I have a little experience. Never played competitive squash myself. My high school, I don't know if I mentioned this the first time we talked. I went to the Mercersburg Academy, which has a little renowned squash history itself. Yes, I don't know if yes. Played down there. Yes, it does. Have I been there? If you've played there or have you been there, yeah. No, I I haven't. I haven't. But I am familiar with Mercersburg and there are quite a density of of, um, schools in the Northeast that that certainly sponsor squash. So, no, I haven't had the great fortune, but I'd love to hear your experience from Mercersburg. Which part? Uh, Just, well, how did you, how did you have any, uh, how did you have squash exposure at school? Well, at school we could, well, there was a squash team. And we also had yep. access to the courts. And so a lot of my friends in the winter actually played squash. I dabbled sophomore year in basketball and then aligned myself as, you know, manager, coach on the women's varsity team because that's better where they, it was better for me to help them than try to play myself in basketball. And But we had access to the courts. So we played a lot of squash just recreationally. Because we could. You couldn't go play tennis in the winter when, right. I mean, there's snow on the ground in Mercer, Pennsylvania, believe it or not. Yeah. And yep. when we couldn't play tennis, we would play squash. And in the spring, when we weren't, you know, either friends playing soccer, lacrosse, or I was doing baseball, we'd play tennis too. It was great. That's awesome. That That's awesome. And again, it is a great workout in the winter. And we at Wesleyan, where I work, we have a lot of the other teams will come in just for cross training and such. And you're very smart to um, to to be a manager for the women's team. That that sounds like a great gig. 
That was a good one. That way you got the PE credit taken care of. You got to travel with the team and everything. And you made some good connections, mm -hmm. I should say. Mm -hmm. Oh, I, I can only imagine. And it's a fun sport. It's really easy to get started and to be able to rally. I think a little bit easier than tennis to, to start at least. And, um, and, and yeah, you don't have to pick up the balls. You're in, you're in your own space. It's, and, uh, the, um, it's, it's a wonderful stress reliever too. So I'm glad, I'm glad, I'm glad you know what it is because I do spend a lot of time trying to explain that as well. My father, well, I, I knew what it was as well because my father, who went to the Naval Academy, played a lot of squash in his in his later days when he wasn't always deployed. So when he was actually a little stationary, he he and some of the guys that he worked with outside of D or in DC there would play squash all the time. Nice, nice. Well, Naval Academy still has a very good program, and uh, yes. we we compete against them. We'll we'll be competing against them December first, actually, in DC. So we're looking forward to that. So you can tell your dad the Naval Academy still has a rich tradition there, and uh, um, whether he played for the team or not, we. Um, I don't think he was that good back that's then. Okay. That's okay. That's okay. Hey, but hey, I will. I will let him know, and I'll let him know that I spoke with you. And when you guys uh, go after it, I mean, sure, I'm going to cheer for you, but also I got a you know <laughs> little go Navy too, of course. Of course, of course, I understand. Hey, we're, it's, I we're there wish. to compete. May the best team win. That's right. Hopefully it's it's a solid, great competition. I only wish I knew of Racquetlon when I was at Mercersburg because I think we could have pulled it off. We could have set up some badminton nets there out there. We had the squash courts, the tennis courts, the ping pong was in the little student center deal. We could have been going crazy with that during like our inner school competition. Mm -hmm. But anyway, let's move forward. You, you played a lot of squash. Now you're the head coach there at Wesleyan. Season's about to start. You were mm -hmm. pickle pushed, or I should say pandemic pushed into pickleball. And that has opened up all sorts of, let's just say, new doors in, in your life mm -hmm. with a not only competition, a lot of fun, and also a little ownership in the Austin Ignite of the National Pickleball League. Take me back to how pickleball started. And it's a great transition from squash. I'd love you to talk about that a little bit, what you're finding, how some of the squash technique might translate over to that pickleball. But then let's talk some pickleball. Yeah, so pickleball, I was one of those people. Pandemic hit and squash, it wasn't very kind to squash being an indoor sport and two people sharing space. So we, uh, we went outdoors and, and found pickle. And um, it, it's, it's fascinating how, how much does translate and how much really doesn't. I'm, I'm continuing to learn and continuing to learn what happens when a racket or a paddle hits the ball, despite having played, you know, a lot of racket long as we've discussed, an awful lot of squash. And I'm, again, I'm, I'm still learning. And what, what the paddle can do to the ball and how it does it is, is a whole science. And I think even the sport of pickleball is still figuring that out to some degree. But in terms of what crosses over, I think being able to slice the ball, put, putting backspin on the ball is extremely helpful. I find that the tennis players that cross over to pickleball struggle quite a bit with a heavily sliced ball that a squash player is going to find pretty natural. I'd say that's the biggest crossover. I'd say the um, volleys, volleys in the air cross over very nicely. So in squash, if you were standing in the middle of the court and, and taking the ball in the air versus being at the net and taking the ball pretty high in the air, 
Um, playing pickleball definitely crosses over. I think where it starts to differ is when we're talking about topspin. Um, that, that is definitely a little bit more tennis. And for the squash players, that's a skill we have to sort of learn from almost new in terms of playing pickleball. Thankfully, right. I had my racket lawn experience. So I think that's been very helpful for me. But yeah, learning, learning how to top spin the ball is definitely tough on the squash players. Um, but everything else, and I'm excited to see more squash players trying it and seeing how they're adapting to it. Um, I, do, I do think it will be fascinating at some point down the line when all the sports converge and we figure out what works, what, what's been brought from each of the different racket sports and then what is distinctly pickable and distinctly new. I think that's going to be fascinating right. as the sport evolves. A lot, a lot of the talk, of course, always with pickleball centers around the paddle and we got to test the paddles and yet we're not testing paddles consistently. At least I don't see it or think it's being done. And then I hear about, okay, well, paddles are going to continue to change and similarities to golf clubs and golf technology. And maybe in pickleball, they look at the ball. Have you, have you, what would, what would your take be on that? Could you think of any way to change the ball itself to, you know, combat the ever growing advancements in the, the paddle face, the insides of the paddle, everything we're doing to paddles to keep them powerful and, you know, put a lot of spin all at the same time. Yeah. I think there are, a, there's a lot of experimentation right now, both in the ball and the paddles and, and I think the question's going to be how fast do we want the game to be and how much spin do we want? And I do think there's going to be an upper limit on that where it may start to detract from the game or make the game too difficult. Um, if the ball's coming too hard and fast with, with, with an extreme amount of spin, it, it starts making it, um, it, it, it... It makes it a lot trickier. But in terms of adaptations of the ball and the paddles I did actually this might not be going the right direction that you were asking but I, I played with a, a certain brand of ball just the other week which has actually played around with having different sized holes in the ball so mm. there are some larger holes and there are some smaller holes which I found fascinating personally I felt like it enabled you to get more spin on the ball but okay. that was that was an interesting change um with the, yeah, with the balls, typically sorry. it's, I was just going to say, typically it's the, the indoor ball is going to have a little larger holes out, right? And then it's the outdoor ball, with a little smaller hole. If I'm getting, or am I, do I have that reversed? Uh, no, I think you're correct. And I think the indoor balls may have um, larger holes and less of them. I will say the better players tend not to use those. And we use the same balls, whether it's indoors or outdoors. Indoor, outdoor. We're all but using the X40 or a variety of something with 40 holes on it. Yes, exa exactly, exactly. Um, but this ball was sort of unique in the fact that it had large holes and small holes on the same ball. Um, and then I think they can play around with the weight of the ball. So the, you know, the regular X40 ball that most people use is a slightly heavier ball. And there are other mm -hmm. brands that are a little lighter and, and uh, move a little faster. So at least there's some control of the speed, depending where that ends up sitting. Um, and the, opt the whatever the optimal optimal ball weight and uh, the optimal ball weight is going to be in terms of the speed of the game. The um, but the paddles, the paddles as a whole are the beast, 
And there is a paddle made by Diadem called the Vibe. I don't know if you've come across that, but that is made, it's got holes in it, and it's made with more of a foam core. Have you seen it? No? I think I've maybe just seen it online. I don't know if I've seen one anywhere in a store. I know I certainly haven't held one, but go ahead. Yeah, yeah. Got you. Yeah, and it's... uh, it, it comes off really, really hot off that paddle. The amount of spin and pace that that paddle generates, it's actually an illegal paddle. It, you know, you can't use it in a tournament, but it's sort of a well, glimpse into... Sure. Okay, you can buy them. You can buy them. It makes completely different sounds, so you're not going to hide the fact that you have one as you play. But boy, whew, that is, uh, that's a different experience. So yeah, I recommend it. It's enlightening. I take it you've hit hit a few uh, hit a few balls with one of those. I have, and I've received a few balls with them, which is even more impressive. When you <laughs> when you actually face somebody hitting them, you're like, oh damn, yeah, you need to switch that paddle now. <laughs> right, it's always great when you're yeah. when you're playing and you you've got the one person on your team that you know has just that best serve, and then of course you switch it up, and he's on the other side, and you're like, oh great. Yes, exactly. You know, but the same as when when somebody had. Uh, was Zane had the the crazy spin serve that nobody could return, and then they removed that right. rule. But yes, similar. But it comes with a lot of heat that, off this paddle. I know there is. It is being used in Singapore, and they actually have specific tournaments where people use that particular paddle. Hmm. Okay. Oh, I'll have to look at that for sure because I it, so, it sounds interesting, like you said, but not tournament approved going a little too hot off the paddle there now back at yeah. back at wesleyan before we dive into the ignite how's the pickle scene at wesleyan did you tell me there is a club team or there is a club i right. i'm okay. not sure that they quite evolved enough yet to have a team put together but i will certainly be looking to help them if and when they're ready for that but yeah there is a there is a small club and they just use a, a fairly disused tennis court that's hidden away. They put some lines down and and I, I think it will grow pretty quickly, but it's in existence. And we're just increasing the number of pickleball PE class offerings as well. So it's, it's coming. I mean, I actually tried to book a badminton court to play some pickle on at Wesleyan the other day to be told that the women's lacrosse team had booked everything because they wanted to play pickleball. So I think we're all using it for fun and crossover. And it's part of the it's part of the fabric now. Now we're talking. If the if the lacrosse if the lax players are coming inside to play a little pickle, where we now the pickle, you know, revolution is is live and well. I love it. Yeah, abs- absolutely. And we ran um we ran a community wide pickleball tournament also uh, in the in the spring, and we had forty eight teams that competed and we had teams that we turned away. So it's out there. It's out there. It's, it's booming just the same as everywhere else at Wesleyan. Incredible. 48 teams. Yeah. That's yeah. Nine, 96 people. And we had people from physical plant, you know, plumbers, welders, electricians playing. We had professors playing. We had people from the IT departments playing. It was I mean, like like everywhere, a glorious vehicle to bring people together um, and a hell of a lot of fun. So, you know, to, to be repeated. For sure. Well, a hell of a lot of fun was just a few weeks ago out in Glendale 
Chicken and Pickle, conclusion oh of the National Pickleball League, the NPL season. It was championships out there. Sean Kerr here, owner, co-owner, fair to say, of the Austin Ignite, who were, congratulations, regular season champs coming in, number one seed out to Chicken and Pickle, had that first round bye. And this team, folks, they were out there scouting the competition. I talked to a few of their players. They were out there watching. Now, in the end, you got raced by the Indiana Racers as they took home that title. Let's talk about how you first got involved with the Ignite all the way up to this year-end championship was just awesome. Take it away because NPL is here to stay, and this next season is going to be huge. Well, thank you. Yes, the NPL has been National Pickleball League quite a ride this past six to seven, eight months. The The way I got involved is is through a friend. It's always through a friend. But uh, my mixed doubles partner and, and, and friend and co-owner, Scott Trevethan, who I met, I met during the pandemic in a in a very small open play session at a local tennis club from 11 to 1 p.m. on a Friday. I remember quite specifically, and neither of us were great players at that point. Um, we remained uh, training partners and we still play mixed doubles together. And he, uh, he got approached to, to consider buying one of these teams. And long story short, he, he didn't want to do it by himself. So we were sort of paired with other people well, no, he was paired with other people, sorry, and then asked me if I wanted to be part of the, this, which within two days I said yes. Um, now, it's, it's a bit of a leap of faith, but it seemed to make sense to me, and I didn't see why this concept wouldn't work. So I literally put my money where my mouth was, and, and off we went. I saw it as a great opportunity, and I sincerely have not looked back. Um, from, And that was, that was just in March. That was just in March. And I remember being at the US Open in Naples in April with the team that we drafted um, at a dinner. We, they'd just been drafted. They just found out they were on Team Austin Ignite. And they asked me, so, you know, how long have you been involved with, with uh, the MPO? And I'm literally telling them like two weeks. I've been involved three, for two weeks. Three hours <laughs> before you got drafted. Congratulations. <laughs> yeah, yeah, pretty much, pretty much. So, you know, that's how it went. And the season had just been such an incredible experience for all of us. And I know you were there for the for the finals, for the final championship there. Um, and we were we were just squeaked by Indy, Indiana. They they deserved it. They were the better team on the day. They uh they had a little bit of a ringer there. They had a ringer they brought in last minute, which may have definitely helped them um, as we look back. And I know that Austin really put everything they had into it. They put everything they had into it all season. I couldn't have asked for a more cohesive team of just upstanding, supportive individuals. And it was such, such, such a joy to see 50-plus athletes still an incredible level of play and athleticism being being able to have the opportunity to be on a team a lot of them have been on college teams or professional teams or played professionally in their in their younger days and to to have that opportunity again and how much that truly meant was incredible that gave more back to me than any part of the championships or the regular season it was just indescribably special 
I, I agree. I, you're right. I was out there and I, I go, I've been to MLP events, which, and I love MLP. And I only found out about MPL through, through David and Jen, who I've had, who I had on the show and talked about how they were playing with, you know, JPB Naples. And when I found out that the, the championship was going to be here, I'm like, I have to be there. And I'm so glad I was. And now three combines for the upcoming season and potential expansion to at least eight teams upcoming. This thing is, like I said, it's amazing. And, and to your point, 50 plus like me, get your game going, game up and take a chance. You can go out to the combine folks. You can do it. And if you're local and want to start playing, let's get after it. <laughs> but it is it's amazing. And the level of play is incredible. And then back to what you said in regards to that that team atmosphere. Some of these folks have played very competitive tennis. They've played competitive pickleball. And it's not lost out there on the court or even amongst the people in the crowds watching and having a lot of fun. Absolutely. I'm so happy you got to see that. And while I am sort of picking on the on the team aspect of it and the experience for the players the level as you mentioned is off the charts these are the best players in the world period um, in the 50 plus age group and in some cases they're still competing in a professional level outside the 50 plus age group so in, in you know the the lines are a little bit blurred there and literally just on our team we have we, we had stacy potter who um, multiple appearances in Wimbledon as a tennis player. We have Steve Dawson, who is multiple U.S. Open winner in pickleball, runs the Bobby Riggs Tennis, sorry, Bobby Riggs um, Racket Center out in San Diego, and just um, to, to have a showcase for these for these players, and I think for, to be inspiring too for for players like myself that when I get to fifty, this is how good I need to be to compete. And for those playing at that in that age group, that you know what, this is what you can do. This is what's possible, and that that in itself is hugely inspiring. And I hope I hope this helps share this with with others, and that they can truly see that. I do too, and I think for everybody listening, if you catch a blur because there's there, there's streaming capabilities to see this, look around at the NPL website and where some of the tournaments are. It's accessible; you can get there. It's a lot of fun, and the pickle is is great to watch. And like I said, if, you, if you've watched MLP, you get the format. It's the same. It's the same format. It's teams out there it's the mixed up, double similar format, and but it, it's great though. It's just it was fantastic, and this is great right now. Getting to talk to you. How do you see this next season NPL playing out for the ignite? Um, any changes to the t Is it going to be in a whole new draft or do you get to keep some of the same players? How does that work in the NPL? So there are still some discussions on the finer details of that, which will get settled within the next month or so. So we're not quite sure if we will get to keep some of our players or, or if we're drafting afresh. Uh, I think as it moves forward over the years, we'll probably keep more of our players but it's new at this point, so we're just trying to figure what, what's going to be the best move. But that being said, how do I see the next year panning out for Austin Ignite? I am very, very excited. I think we have a very good and very strong draft strategy already for next season. I 
think I feel very confident in my other team owner and partner's abilities to to navigate that and we've already been navigating that quite extensively in ways that obviously I can't possibly tell you um, no 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 you can't that, give out, that, can't give it can't get too too much behind the curtain there but I, I love the sound of it and it sounds good when is the draft this year again so the draft is going to be I think April 10th April 10th is the draft and then the announcement of who is on which team, they have a big draft party. That will be in Naples uh, right before the U.S. Open starts. That's on April 12th. And like you mentioned, there are three combines before that in uh, February and March. And I, I can't wait to see, I really can't wait to see who comes out to, to try out and to experience the combine, which is a phenomenal experience in itself, by the way, even if you're not drafted. Because uh, I, I just think people will have, been a little bit unsure last year. It was so new. How would you know what you're getting into? Maybe they didn't know if they could make the commitment for the weekends. But now now the word is out. I really am very excited to see the level of players that come out. And I think the level will only increase. And I think we're going to find players that maybe don't go and play every single individual tournament. Perhaps they prefer the team format. And, um, you know, let's let's see what's out there. We, we had about... 100 or so men and 100 or so women on the draft list for this this year that just finished. I'm anticipating that doubling, maybe more than that. I would anticipate that that's absolutely going to double. I think numbers at these combines early in the year are going to be incredible, men and women alike, because it is. It, it's awesome if you get out there and, and you see it. Hey, they, they got uniforms. They're set up. It's fun. Plus, the NPL does great things off the court as well. That whole breast cancer tournament they did and the other things that the individual teams do. If you want to talk about some of the things the Ignite get involved in outside of the court with your sponsors or even things that uh, you've done in the past that you just like to bring up. Um, yeah, I mean, we stay pretty focused on the pickleball. I, I, as you mentioned, the, the pink party uh, that was... Um, wrapped in with the championship weekend. We were pretty involved were with that. Were you dressing up and, and doing some of that dancing and singing that night? I did all of it. I did all of all it. Right. To my shame, I did all of it. But it was it was No shame. I bet there's no shame in your game. I bet you can get out there and cut it up a little bit. <laughs> uh, it was too much fun not to partake. And Chris Cargis, who is one of our best females on the team, she's a breast cancer survivor, so there was no way we weren't going all out on, on that front. Um, but I'd say some of the other fun things that that have that the MPL have put on would include. They have a players' party every weekend, and each each weekend was a different theme. So that we've had '80s karaoke where we had to dress up in '80s gear. There was we did line dancing. Each team was assigned a different line dance, and um, you know we obviously dressed up for that. I mean, it was they did such they did such a good job. Um, it really was just, you know, an all-round package, an all-round package. And as I'm thinking of it, I would, I would urge those those that are curious to go to the NPL YouTube channel and just look at the all the archived live streaming from the season. It's all there. Every match that's played is there. And I think if you want to get a feel for the level, you want to get a feel of what it looks like. Uh, the commentators do a really good job on the center court. Uh, I think there's a lot you can learn by watching it. So that's that's out there too. I just wanted to, to throw that in. 
That's great. That's another thing that impressed me was the setup out there at Chicken and Pickle and the NPL, like you said, commentators, court presence to talk with players right after some of the match is finished. Now, you mentioned dressing up, 80s karaoke, perfect segue. Are you dressing up for Halloween? <laughs> yeah, I'm going to dress up as a squash coach and I'm going to go nope. put my team Air. through their paces. <laughs> You can't I Ted Lasso yourself. What's up? I said you can't Ted Lasso yourself. You gotta, you gotta figure something out. That's right. Yeah, that's that's very unfair. Well, I do have thanks to MPL a couple of choices. My eighties outfit is at the ready, and uh, I make I make a pretty mean cowgirl. So I think uh, in some, I'll be I'll be wearing something, and I'll be helping my stepson. He's nineteen, living by himself for the first time in his house going to be giving out candy so i'm going to go and sit in the background and enjoy some of that this evening all right i'm going to help you out unless you've already helped him out he's 19 he's living on his own first halloween he's going to be passing out some candy you're there right you're like the goose to his maverick full-size candy bars gotta have full-size candy bars okay okay got it this is helpful i'm obviously from the uk too so any tips are helpful Yeah, I think that one right there sets him on a path of just excellence for Halloween. I can't wait to tell him. I will will accept nothing less now that you've told me. That's right. And by the time he has children in, you know, 10, 15 years, he'll remember that on those Halloweens, two kids were the house that gives out the full-size bars. Because all the kids will be lined up to get to their house. Nice. That's a great, that's a great suggestion. And we'll get the best costumes. That sounds wonderful. Now, I know you've got another passion outside of racket lawn and squash and pickleball, and it has to do with music. As we get out of here, I'm going to let you go here soon, but talk to me about your dabbling, or actually, I mean, you're pretty good at some woodwind instruments. Is that correct? Yes, woodwind woodwind instruments have definitely been my thing. I, uh, I grew up in love with sport and in love with music, and I've always done both. I, I think it's afforded me a great life to date. and both bring me great joy. So yes, I play. Um, I, pl- I play various woodwind instruments. Uh, bassoon was my instrument growing up. The uh, school needed somebody to play it, and they looked at me and said, "You have hands big enough." So that's that. That that's how that one happened. And I play the weirdest woodwind instrument in the orchestra. Um, it's it's the one at the back with the strange curly thing coming out of it. If anyone doesn't yeah. know. But that, that, that led me to play the saxophone, which was way cooler as a kid. I needed to be cool and the bassoon was not. And then in subsequent <laughs> years here as an adult, not a lot of people in the bassoon club. You know, we're, we're, we're a very tight club and there are a few of us, but you might not meet too many. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I know one now. Yeah. You do. You do. You'll meet where you, you watch. You'll meet three more. <laughs> They'll come out the woodwork. Um, but and so, but you, you play living, some. I oh, know. Go ahead. Sorry. Yeah. So it says living in Middletown and, and working at Wesleyan. There's a local uh, pipe and drums band. So my most recent endeavour in the last several years has been playing the bagpipes. Um, so I've been doing quite a few parades and events and different things with the Middletown PBA pipes and drums. So and if how close I've played those, in how various, close are those pipes to you right now? Oh, you know what? That's too bad. They're in my car. Ah, too bad for sure. All right, next time I got to hear some pipes. You got it. You got it. I I, I promise. I promise. And any advice to people, my advice to people out there thinking about what instruments to play, I've played in 
rock bands. I've played in 80s synth pop bands. If you want to be popular and be a rock star, play the bagpipes. Everybody loves the bagpipes. There you have it. You might have just set somebody off on a path they didn't know they were going to go on and become kind of the next rock bagpipe band. I can see it. And now going back to Halloween, you've got the 80s set. You mm-hmm. could be a cowgirl. Uh, you could be a rock bagpiper. Now you've got it covered. I really could. I really could. Maybe that's what I'll do. I will put on my um, kilt and my bagpipe uniform and I will parade up and down the street, play them a few songs. With with a cowgirl hat and boots. There you go. What could be better? That would be perfect. (laughs) (laughs) That would be great. Shauna, this has been fantastic. I had so much fun. I said I'll send you the picture. And yes, this has been an awful lot of fun. Outside of your bagpiping, trick-or-treating Halloween, plus you got to coach the squash team. What else is on the agenda for Shauna? Got maybe some Ignite business to get to. Well, not 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 for a little bit. You get a little break from the Ignite. When do you find any time to play any pickleball? Oh, I, I make time. I make time. I try and squeeze in an hour or at least an hour or so a day. Um, I drill probably. I drill probably four four days a week and I play two days a week and I squeeze it in anywhere I can. If someone will drill with me at 9 a.m., we'll, we'll make it happen. Um, if it's later, if it's 8 till 10 p.m., we'll make it happen. So that's just, uh, that's my sanity. It's my outlet and needs to get prioritized so that everything else is good. So trust me, I make time. That's absolutely brilliant. And I had to ask one other question, you know, Baseball, football, do you like any of those type of sports? Are we just focused in on all of the racket with the squash and pickleball that you play? Or do you maybe turn your eyes and ears over to some other sports sometimes? Yeah, I think it, it doesn't leave a lot of space for, for massive sport fandom. I, I like having the football on in the background on a Sunday evening. That's very pleasant. I did follow baseball for a while there. I was living just outside of Boston and uh, – I was there when when the Red Sox finally won their World Series, and that was that was an event for sure. So I, I like to have them on. I probably am not not um, following teams super close. If there is World Cup soccer, I absolutely follow the England team. That's a that's a not negotiable. Um, but I really do enjoy watching any sports on TV. Excellent. And you know what? That was a, a good pull from that Red Sox World Series because they did that with Kurt Schilling, who was a Diamondback. And right now the Diamondbacks are in the World Series. They're playing game four tonight here in the desert. So we'll get out of here with a go Diamondbacks. Shauna, this was so much fun. You have a great weekend, a great Halloween. Let's do it again soon and I'll be in touch. Love to do it again. It's been a great, great time. Thank you so much, Michael. It was my pleasure. And this retro jam could use some bagpipes. So much fun. Igniting folks into a great rest of their week. What a treat. Thank you, Shauna. Thank you, everyone, for your support. Now go try racket lunch. No, no, no. Better stick to pickleball. I'll see all y'all right here next time. More.